This is uh, our final week in our series on prayer. We've been talking about uh, praying for, or we've been praying, excuse me, for protection. We've been praying to experience God's power. And we've been praying, today we pray to experience God's awakening in our lives. I, I love that word awakening. It's, it's a great, it really illustration of what God does for us because we understand physical awakening quite well. We all experienced it today. That's why we're, we're here or, or wherever we're at is we woke up and we're thankful for another day to, to be awake, to be alive. Awakening happens differently for different people though, right? Like for some folks, you just wake up early naturally, no alarm clock. It's just how your body works. You're up, you're on it. That's how it goes. For others, like or sleep a little bit more, maybe sleep a little bit longer. Others, maybe you're more of like the snooze button type, right? You know, and uh, so you have to set that alarm early so you have enough time to hit the snooze button. Does anybody hit the snooze button more than like three times? It's, it's all right. There's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's a way of waking up, right? I had a roommate in college. I remember one time we had 8 a.m. class together and the alarm went off. I got up, got, got all ready and everything and he was hitting the snooze button still, went Went, got breakfast, went to class, did a couple things, came back. He was still hitting the snooze button. I'm like, whoa, that's, that's a lot of snooze, right? You know, but different, maybe sometimes in our lives, we do that a little bit. And no judgment on snooze button users, don't get me wrong. But spiritually, spiritually we use the snooze button sometimes. Like we, we hear the voice of God calling us. Maybe he's calling us deeper in prayer. God's been doing that in this series. And we say, yeah, I, I need to do that real soon. I'll get on it, God, right? Or we, we feel the call to maybe start a new uh, Bible reading plan, right? To, to uh, study God's Word. Like, yeah, I'll do that next sermon series. I've got, I'll have more time then, I'm sure. Or we feel God's call to, to tithe, to be generous with our finances. Like, yeah, I got to pay a couple things off first. Then I'll, I'll think about that, right? And we hit that snooze on, on the voice of God. Today, I believe that God is calling us to be awakened, to be awakened in Him. Listen to the words that God spoke through the Apostle Paul. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14 says, Wake up, sleeper. Wake up, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Say that with me. Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. That's what God wants to do in our lives, to wake us up to wake us up, to raise us up, that the light of Christ can shine on us. So if you've been hitting the spiritual snooze button, you pick the perfect day to say, Lord, speak to me. Speak to me. Help me to be awakened by your power. Because it's not just a matter of trying harder. It's a matter of experiencing the power of the Spirit in our lives, awakening us, doing new things in us. I believe that when we pray for that, that God can and God will do that. True spiritual awakening or, or revival, it's, it's not something we manufacture. It's the work of God in our lives. And real simply, it comes down to practicing God's presence in our lives each and every day seeking the Lord, wanting to know Him, to be known by Him, giving ourselves to Him in time and energy and all these different ways. Awakening comes when, when we pray to God, when we repent of our sins and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I, I need to be changed by You. I want that in my life. Spiritually awake people they have a, a passion, a passion to uh, live through the power of the Holy Spirit, 
not just through our own power, to be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit, to respond when the Spirit guides, we do these kinds of things. We pray and say, God, just would you soften my heart? Would you, would you open my ears? Would you open my eyes? Would you open my mind to, to you, to your movement in this world? Help me to stop snoozing through all the things you're doing. Help me to be awake and alive and to experience that. There's a guy in the Old Testament. His name is Ezekiel. Ezekiel is a prophet. He's one of the later prophets, actually. Ezekiel was, uh, he was, he lived about 500 years before Jesus. And you might remember that before Jesus, there was like 400 silent years where there was no major prophetic voice there. And so for Ezekiel, uh, he was one of the last ones. And he lived in a really, really tough time. Ezekiel uh, was there when when Jerusalem it was conquered, when it was, but it was conquered by the Babylonians. They came in and they, they took over the place and they hauled off many, many Israelites to Babylon. Babylon was 900 miles from home. I mean, that's a big deal today. Imagine on foot, 900 miles. I mean, if you're exiled in that way, <laughs> there's no hope. You're not just coming back tomorrow, surely, right? And then a few, laters, a few years later, after Ezekiel was exiled, the Babylonians would come in and destroy the temple, the place where they met and worshiped God. But this was an especially big deal to Ezekiel because, you see, Ezekiel previously hadn't been a prophet. He'd been a priest, and likely a priest who was serving at the temple in Jerusalem, so his old place of work and place of connecting with God and the, like God's office right here on this earth was destroyed. I mean, it doesn't get any lower if you're an Israelite. It just doesn't get any lower. There seems to be no hope. We've been hauled off from home. The temple is destroyed. God promised all these things to us. He promised we'd be this great and mighty nation and we became that. But we kept worshiping idols we kept on sinning. We kept on breaking the law generation after generation after generation. God sent prophets to warn them, and we, we, we blew them off. We ignored them. We persecuted them. And now it's happened. Now it's happened. Where's the hope? Has God given up? Has God just, just decided to pick a new chosen people? Has God just moved on? Is he, what's God doing in the midst of this? They were full of of despair and pain. But God spoke through Ezekiel in a few different ways. He, first, he called the people to repentance, to identify that, hey, you're here because of your sin, okay? And it's got to start with repentance. If we're going to wake up, it's got to start with repentance. It doesn't start with a place of arrogance of like, God, I had it all together, and then you messed it all up. No, it's, it's humility and saying, God, I've, I've messed many things up, and I need your forgiveness. I want to turn. I want to change. I want to be different. I want to be used by you. So he starts there, but he doesn't just stay there. He's not just beating them up. He gives them hope. Listen to the words that God speaks through Ezekiel, chapter 36. God says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I'll cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. I will put in you a new heart and a new spirit. I will remove from you all the, your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my laws. Wow. A heart transplant 
from the great physician himself. That's pretty incredible. God says, yeah, you, you've been hard-hearted. You've been rejecting and resisting me, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take that hard heart. I'm going to take it out, and I'm going to put in you a new heart, a new heart that seeks me, a new heart that is softened to the things of the Lord. And to explain this further, because that sounded nice, but the situation was so dire. The situation was so desperate. It would have been easy for people to say, yeah, that, I don't see that happening in me. God gives Ezekiel a vision. And it's a powerful vision. This thing doesn't actually happen. It's a vision that he sees, a prophetic vision to show how the Lord wants to work in Israel. Chapter 37. The hand of the Lord was upon me. And he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. Now, maybe you've heard this before, so you're kind of familiar. You can kind of go, oh, I think I know what's going to happen here. Well, just st- sit here for a minute. Sit here for a minute. This is, this is disgusting, He's walking through a valley of, of dead people, right? Of bones on the floor. And they're not just dead. They've been dead a long time, right? These, these are just bones laying there all over this valley. And they're, they're walking among them. What, what a terrible place to be. What, I, I know we've been desensitized to a lot of stuff. But what a, what a terrible place to be. What a horrific vision this is. Verse 3, he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? Now, the answer seems to be pretty obvious. Nope. <laughs> Obviously, they're, they're bones right there, right? We know how it works as people. When our heart stops beating, lungs not filled with air, brain's not doing anything anymore, we are dead. We don't come back from dead. It doesn't just happen. So a whole bunch of dry bones, no, there's no hope for life if it comes down to human strength. But Ezekiel's a prophet. So he knows that God is not natural, that God is supernatural, that God can do anything God wants to do, right? So he gives a very wise prophetic answer, and he says, Sovereign Lord, you know, you alone know your question, and you obviously know the answer here, right? Obviously, it's not going to happen by human strength, but you alone know. And this is so true. This is true. When we look at situations that seem so dead, in human strength, yeah, there's no hope for life. But as followers of Jesus, as people who believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, as people who are Easter people who believe in resurrection, there's always hope for new life. You may have given up, but God hasn't given up. You you may feel that there's no hope for life, and from a human sense, you may be right, but God hasn't given up. Sovereign Lord, you alone know. God is, is the creator. He's the author of awakening and revival. It's God's work. It's not our work. So when we see things and we we look out at this world and we say, oh, there's so many bad things, there's so much pain, there's so much division, there's so much brokenness, and there is. There's so many folks turning away from the Lord, there's so much struggle, there's all these things, there seems to be no hope. We must remember 
that we serve a God of resurrection, that we are an Easter people 365 days of the year. So there's always hope. There's always hope. There's always hope in the Lord. Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Ultimately, God is our hope for healing. Maybe in your life, there's some deadness. There's some dead stuff. Maybe you, you've, you've given in to some stuff that's, that's really harming your life. Maybe, maybe you've been just walking away from the Lord in, in other ways. Maybe you've, you've given Satan a foothold by inviting certain sin in. Uh, maybe it is that, that you've just kind of plugged your ears to the things of the Lord and you've decided you're going to do it your own way. Wake up. Wake up. It's not about you. <laughs> It's not just about your power and your strength. God wants to wake you up. And maybe God got you up today. Maybe you drove through some snow or maybe you clicked on a link online and maybe that was the divine work of the Lord in your heart. Maybe you hadn't even planned on doing it. Maybe you got most of the way to church and you're like, oh, we should not have done this today, right? Or maybe, you know, maybe you just kind of stumbled on this online. God is calling you to wake up. You're not here by accident. God wants to awaken you. Maybe, just maybe, God wants to speak to you today through his word, through song, through prayer. Maybe God wants to wake you up in a way that you haven't been awakened before. Maybe God wants to do a new thing, a new calling, a new life, a new energy, a new excitement, something new. Maybe God wants to wake you up. Are you open to that? Are you open to that heart transplant kind of work? Because that's the work that our God does. So we left Ezekiel here in this valley. God's going to give him a command, a very strange command. It says this, Then God said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. He gives Ezekiel this weird commandment. He says, you, you start speaking to these bones. You start prophesying to these bones. I mean, imagine later today, right? You're, you're uh, driving by a graveyard, and you see me and the other pastors, and we're out there, and we're preaching to the graveyard. You're like, I knew they were, you know, but this is a whole nother level, right? This is, this is crazy, right? They're dead. They're, they're dead. Like, at least you know, find some live people to talk to. But this is what God tells them to do. And some of you are here and you're watching this and you're like, see, I knew we needed to prepare for that zombie apocalypse, right? Like, I knew it. I've been telling you people, it's coming, it's coming. And there it is right there. There's these people, right? They're going to wake up. They're going to do all this. No, that's not, not exactly what's happening here, okay? Here, verse 7. I prophesied as I commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons from flesh appeared upon them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Okay, not zombies. This is like a retelling of the creation story. Remember, God creates Adam there in the garden, and it says that God breathed his life into him. 
that unlike the rest of creation, that, that we get the breath of God breathed into us, that, that, that God is alive and powerful within us, that we are created in his image, that we are empowered by his spirit. This is what God does. This is what God does. Verse 9, then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath, from the four winds, it's north, south, east, and west. Breathe into these slain so that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Wow, what, this is incredible. I mean, this, you go from a valley of dry bones to a powerful army of resurrection. This is what God does. This is what God shows Ezekiel in this vision. Out of the valley of death comes an army of resurrection. So what does this mean? What does this mean? Remember the people, they're exiled. They're in a foreign land. Their temple's been destroyed. There seems to be no hope whatsoever. Verse 11, then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up. And our hope is gone. We're cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up (laughs) from them. Then I will put my spirit in you and you will live. I will settle in you and in your land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. I've done it, declares the Lord. It's an incredible prophecy. I'm going to raise you up. I'm going to bring you back home. You think you're stuck in exile here. You think there's no hope. But I'm telling you, I, the Lord, am telling you, there is hope. I'm going to awaken you. I'm going to do this exact thing. Did you, did you know, friends, when Jesus died on the cross, Matthew records that there were that graves opened there in Jerusalem, and dead people came out and were walking around, right? God literally fulfills this prophecy, and it's a, a prophecy about even further down the road when, when God restores us to life, to eternal life, new heavenly bodies. God is, God is doing incredible things in this, that which is dead will be brought back to glorious life. People out of deep spiritual sleep can be awakened by the word of the Lord. Awake, thou sleeper, rise from the dead. Christ shines upon you. That which was out without hope or promise will be restored to life. Dr. Keith Wagner tells about the devastation that occurred at, at Mount St. Helens back in 1980 when terrible volcano erupt there, that erupted there. That day, through that, 57 people died. Countless animals, from, from bears and big animals to fish in the rivers, they, they were killed as, as the lava and ash were all over the place. Just a, a terrible, terrible situation. And it was a place of just total destruction. Scientists would continue to study this place, and not that long after the volcano, they noticed, uh, had finished erupting, they noticed something strange, that little gophers were 
coming out of the ground. They had been burrowed down deep. They, they made it out, and, and their tunneling and whatnot would begin to bring some new life, just little signs of life. And that, that next year, there would actually be evidence of salmon spawning, and they were confused because these rivers had been clogged up with volcanic debris and, and mud and whatnot. As they studied, they found that some of the salmon had found alternative routes back to the places where they'd spawned. And there were, there were sometimes even, even creeks that were six inches or less deep that they had gone through to get to these places. That even in the midst of total de- destruction, there seemed to be new life. And today, if you look at Mount St. Helens, it is a place where there's some new life. And yeah, there's a Big old scar still at the top. There's a big old hole there. There always will be, but there's new life. At a place where it seemed there would never be life again, there's new life. Some of us have experienced Mount St. Helens-like experiences in our own life. We've been hurt so badly. We've been wronged, we've been violated, we've been devastated. The people closest to us have let us down. People we thought we could trust weren't trustworthy. Or maybe it was loss. Maybe you've, you've lost your spouse. You've lost your, your grandparent or your child or your grandchild. You've lost lifelong friends. Maybe it's a, another type of loss. Maybe you've, it's a, a loss of your health and you, you can't do the things you used to do and it's so difficult. Maybe it's the loss of an ideal or a, a dream, a passion that just hasn't, hasn't come into fruition. Maybe it's the loss of a relationship that meant so much to you. Maybe it's a financial loss or a, a job that you define yourself by and you can't do it anymore. And we're tempted to say it's just how life is. There's not really any hope. I can't change. I can't be better. If I'm honest, I'm kind of bitter and I'm hurting. Friend, God wants to wake you up. He wants to wake you up to a new thing, a new hope, new life that can only happen in him. And hear me, I'm I'm not minimizing the pains of the past. You you don't look at Mount St. Helens and say, oh, nothing happened there. Of course, you can see what happened And we bear the scars as well. But that doesn't mean that there's not hope for new life. Certainly, the the risen Christ had nail prints, right? Certainly, we're going to bear some scars. But that doesn't mean that there's not hope for new life. God wants to awaken you. God wants to awaken us. God wants to, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God wants to awaken a new life, a new vision, a new hope. That, yeah, you've been through a lot, but he hasn't given up on you. If he didn't give up to a nation that he exiled, he's not giving up on you. He's not giving up on me. He's not giving up on our lives either. That we serve a God of awakening, a God who reaches out to us in our slumber, in our sleep, and says, wake up. 
Wake up by the power of the Holy Spirit. Wake up to what I'm doing in your life. Wake up to new opportunities. Wake up to a new calling. Wake up to a new day. Wake up to freedom. Wake up to change. Wake up to something that's better than you could have ever imagined. Wake up. Wake up by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what our God can and will do. When we look at the Mount St. Helens in our lives, sometimes we we look at them and they just seem so hopeless. The pains just seem so hopeless and they're heavy and they're difficult. And, and friend, know that as long as you are a follower of Jesus, that when you, when you give your life to him, there is hope. There is awakening. These dry bones, they can come back together. God can put them back together. God can breathe through the power of his Holy Spirit. God can, God can breathe new life into them. God can do work that, that only God does. He wants to wake you up. This has been God's work for, for generations, really, when you think about it. I mean, think about it. The, the, God, God you've, been, you've been awakening people. You've been awakening people for so long, God, and we... We just need it. Wake us up. Wake us up. You, you woke up Abraham and Sarah, God. You, you, they, were, they were barren. They couldn't have a baby. You promised to make them a nation, and you woke them up. You woke up Sarah's womb. You worked a miracle. They, they, were, they, were, they were hopeless, and God, you brought hope. Some of us are hopeless. Wake us up. Wake us up today, God. Wake us up by your power. There was Joseph. He, he was abandoned by his brothers, God. He was sold into slavery by his own family. He felt so hurt. But you woke him up. You rose him up to, to a place of power there in Egypt, God. You did it because that's what you do. That's how powerful you are. You used him to save his family. You used him to save the, the world at the time. Some of us feel abandoned. Wake us up. Wake us to your presence, God. God, this is what you've been doing. There was Moses, God. He, had, he tried to help an Israelite on his own strength, totally failed. He was a shepherd for his father-in-law in the wilderness. Boredom, pointless. Some of us have settled into this life believing that you don't have anything great for us to do. So we're just going to phone it in. Wake us up. Wake us up by your power, God. Wake us up to your call. Use us however you want. Give us that burning bush, God. Show us what you want. Give us the courage to say yes. You're calling somebody right now. Give them the courage to say yes. You're calling somebody to serve you. Give them the courage to say yes. You're calling somebody to be in ministry. Give them the courage to say yes. You're calling somebody something new. Give them the courage to say yes. Wake us up, God. Wake us up. Wake us up like you woke up David. He was full of lust. He was a sinner. He did lots of bad stuff. Stuff that you could and maybe should have discarded him for, but he repented and you changed him. A man after your own heart. God, we too, we struggle, we sin. Some of us have taken ourselves out of the game because of our sin. 
we think we can't be used, but we're wrong. Wake us up. Wake us up. Wake us up to your forgiveness. Wake us up to your grace. Wake us up to your power. Wake us up to new life that can only come from you. Lord, some of us were like Zacchaeus. We're greedy. We're just pursuing the things of this world. We'll do it at all costs, God. Wake us up. Help us to find fulfillment in you. As you called Zacchaeus down, God, call us down from that today. Call us to a place of humility where we seek you because when we seek you, we will find you. God, some of us were like Peter. We failed you. We've broken your heart. We've let you down. We're not sure. We just want to go back to fishing. It's just not worth it anymore. Wake us up, God. Wake us up. Because you have promised us that you will do that. That you'll put these dry bones back together. That even in the midst of our failure, that you'll bring healing, that you'll bring wholeness. You're not done with us. You want to use us for great and powerful things. And for some of us, God, we're like Paul and we're hateful. We're bitter and we're angry because so much stuff's happened. Maybe we're persecuting others. We're harming others. Wake us up. Help us to stop and to find new life in you. New life that only you can bring. God, we want that. We're tired of looking around and seeing dead stuff, dead marriages, dead relationships with our parents, relationships with our kids. We're tired of seeing death here, there, and everywhere. Wake us up to new life. Wake us up to new life in you because that's what you do. So come, Holy Spirit, fill us with your power. We need your revival. We need your move right here in our hearts, right here in our church, right here in our city. God, won't you revive us? Won't you breathe into us? Won't you put these bones back together again? Wake us up. You're a God of revival. You're a God of revival. It's in Jesus' name. Because it's only by Jesus' power that we pray.